Broadcasting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? Minnesota DNR had reintroduced him into this area. I don't know, maybe he didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I I knew you were going to go there. We're going to close the entire hunting season. Oh, really? The Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. By Hay Bale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. cool story for you right now thanks for tuning in on the network by demand sporting journal radio or by watching this uh, wherever you're watching this thank you very much this this is one of those stories it's one of those really cool hunting stories you you don't really hear about something like this happening very often it's one of those things that you wish would happen to you but it's really cool when you get a chance to talk to somebody that it happened to in north dakota and I'm going to tell a couple of North Dakota moose stories here during this interview. But when I found out that there was moose in North Dakota, uh, you know, I was kind of blown away by it. Growing up in Minnesota and going to the Boundary Waters, going up the Gunflint Trail, when I think of moose, I think of, you know, either northeastern Minnesota in the in the, the woods, in the Canadian Shield country, or up in the Canadian wilderness, right? You don't think about a moose walking through a bean field, you know, in the, in the, in the central prairies. Uh, but that's what you have in North Dakota. I mean, obviously, you've got a few parts of North Dakota that have some trees and some hills, but for the most part, it's wild seeing a moose just out in the middle of the prairie, but they're there. And not only that, but North Dakota's got, you know, North Dakota gets a bad rap sometimes uh, being kind of flat and windy and f- full of corn and beans. But if you go to different parts of North Dakota, it's, it's really uh, quite beautiful. The Badlands are amazing and the Badlands are full of elk. So how about somebody that essentially drew lifetime tags, once in a lifetime tags for moose and elk and was successful both in the same year. And that's what our next guest did this, did this year. Paul Hoggle joins us right now. Paul, how you doing? Oh, good. Good. Glad to be on. I bet you are doing well. I mean, can you, could, would you ever imagine that you'd shoot a moose and an elk in North Dakota in the same year? I never dreamt it was going to happen. Yeah. I, I never thought it would happen, I guess. Yep. It's awesome. And they were both big animals, too. Both nice trophy animals. Um, let, let's just back up for one second and talk about the odds of drawing one of these tags. So uh, I, have you been in North Dakota your whole life? I have. Yep. All right. And um, you're in Fargo now, but you don't live in Fargo, right? Uh, yeah, I live in Carrington. Carrington. Very cool. How many years have you been applying for these tags? No, basically since I was uh, 16, 18, somewhere in there, years old. So, and you're... And and I'm, oh, and I'm 45. Okay. Uh, 30 years, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. So that's, I mean, and and the the moose tag was a landowner tag, right? Correct. Correct. Those are a little bit easier to come by? They are. When I looked at the odds, I think it was about... As of last year or the year before, I think it was about a 15% chance of drawing where I live um, with the landowner. Otherwise, I, it was less than 1% on the moose. And 
I think uh, elk, I drew that up in the northeast corner of the state, but that was a 0.4% chance of drawing that tag. 0.4%. And had you not been successful with uh, the moose landowner tag this year, you'd be able to draw for it one more time? One more time. I would, uh, I'd have to return, send my tag back into the state, and then after that, I can apply again or keep applying until hopefully you draw again. And then that, and if I draw it again, that's the, the last time. So there's, you get to draw. Moose in North Dakota is kind of interesting. Um, there's not a, a lot of them. There's a healthy population of them. Um, but they haven't been, it's, it, we don't need to get into this story, but they haven't been as affected as the, the moose in northern Minnesota. And I always thought that was interesting because as the moose in northern Minnesota, the population declined, everybody tried to point fingers at wolves or brainworm or uh, climate change or whatever the case may be. Yet it's the same species of moose in North Dakota and their population hasn't declined. And I've always said, well, what's the difference between Minnesota and North Dakota? And there's one glaring difference, and it's a, it's a giant predator with, you know, four legs and sharp teeth. But I, I remember, Paul, I lived in North Dakota, and I did, uh, I did radio in Fargo for about 12 years. And, I, you know, I hunted all across North Dakota. And I remember snow goose hunting one time, and I was driving around with a buddy of mine. And uh, we were kind of scanning the horizon for flocks of snow geese or snow goose feeds, whatever. And I see it. Oh, there's a, just a. That's weird. This is a random cow stand, standing out in the middle of a cut cornfield. It's kind of a weird, weird place for a cow to be standing. It must have got gotten out of out of a fence or something. And as we got closer, no, I realized it was a moose. And that was the first time I'd seen a moose in North Dakota. And it just it just seemed so out of place for me to see a moose in the middle of a cornfield. You know, instead of, you know, in, in the middle of a boreal Swamper. forest. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, so and then I driving back one time, I, I was uh, I was coming into West Fargo on 94 and I looked on the south side of the, the interstate there and there was a car pulled over. There's a frontage road and there's just a car, a random car parked next to a bean field. I'm like, that's a and it wasn't a farmer's truck, you know, so it was like a weird vehicle to be parked and just stopped on a along the uh, the interstate. And sure enough, there was a there was a moose walking through the bean field and they were stopping to take pictures or take a look at it or whatever. And it just it just like my my head exploded seeing these moose in North Dakota like that after growing up in Minnesota. But uh, it, it's a pretty cool deal. So how I mean, obviously around Carrington, you, you you'll see moose around there occasionally. I've seen moose around Carrington before. Have, have you seen a lot of moose growing up? The, not up until probably. Oh, shoot, I'd say five years ago did I start seeing them around, right around Carrington. You'd always see a random one here or there. And and it's not like we have a huge number, but there's um, there's moose traveling through our area all the time. I think last year um, I saw five bulls in one slough. Oh, not wow. that they lived there, but they just wandered through. And, and I mean, none of them were real big, but, but it was five bulls, bull moose in there. And... So, yeah, we're getting some moose traveling through our area, and some, I think, are actually becoming slightly resident that kind of come back. So, Dan, pull up a picture of this moose that he shot this year. This is, this is a big animal. What Did you know that this moose was around? I, I had seen him last year, and if uh, you see under his front forks or whatever you want to call them, those two tines on each side. Yeah. That, Kind of like drop tines, because that's unique. Most moose don't have that, or I've never seen it, I guess. 
sure. where they come out from underneath. And I, I had seen that bull. He was obviously smaller last year, but he was right uh, on my stuff and right next to my stuff. And then I think he kind of migrated away a little bit this year, probably five, six miles. And, and I still had uh, a cow and a calf on mine and a small bull. And um, he ended up wandering back back to, to my ground. So you'd seen this. You saw this, this moose last year. Yes, correct. Yep, and he came back because, and the reason I very confident is because how many moose have them tines underneath like that? We call them drop tines. I don't know if that's the technical term for them or not, but that's uh, he's pretty distinct that way, character wise. That's cool. I love. I mean, everybody wants to shoot big, big racked animals, but I love unique you know, racks, something that sets them apart a little bit, something different like that. Uh, that's pretty cool. Did you measure him? Like how, how big was he actually? We, we scored him at uh, gross. Uh, what gosh, 159, some 160 basically. Hmm. That's, that's so cool. Uh, I think moose are just neat animals anyway, and to be able to shoot one in North Dakota like that on, on your own property. Hmm. I know, we talked off the air and you said it, you know, it's not this big adventure hunting story, but to be able to shoot him on your own property. So did you have him on trail cameras or anything? Not him. Not this year. Uh, I had him last year, but not this year. Um, some other, them other moose I talked about, they were, they were coming in and hitting my, my bait station for deer. And yeah, they, yeah, he, I had a few pictures of the other moose, not that one specifically this year. Sure. And then you, so one day, did you, you saw him on your property then and said, oh gosh, he's back? Yeah. Yep. I knew there was that cow white just seemed a little, was acting a little different. So she must've been coming into heat or whatever. And, and I was just like, well, something bigger is going to show up, you know, cause it sounds from what research I've, or from what I've heard and whatnot, they'll travel 10 miles in a night to find a hot cow. Sure. And. And I, that, I'm pretty, pretty confident that was the situation on this one. And then, uh, so you got them, you got them butchered up. What did you do? Steaks, burger? What'd you do with them? I did. Yep. Steaks, roast, burger. Um, and that is one thing I'm, I'll say I'm a little picky on like deer meat. I, I love deer meat, deer sausage, deer jerky, all that, but I'm not a real wild game guy. Um, just to eat a, a roast out of a deer, say. Um, I will, but it's not my favorite. That moose is so close to beef, it's amazing. I was truly amazed at how good that is. Yeah, it, it, moose is delicious. And if, if you're, you're obviously a deer hunter, and dragging a deer out is, is, uh, can, can be pretty easy, obviously. <laughs> what did you have to do with the moose? You could probably drive right up to it, I suppose, if it was in one of your fields. Yep, it was in my cornfield, and yeah, I was wasn't too hard just brought the skid steer out and picked it up and put it on a trailer <laughs> so that's why i say this hunt wasn't super exciting and had to quarter them up and pack them out 10 miles or anything but but uh, still exciting in its own right oh absolutely man and it's a moose and all that see i get i get so excited about the meat now i do i, I eat a lot of deer i like to eat it um so wild game we eat it every day here and uh i would i obviously a a big moose would be pretty special and I'd probably put it up on the wall for sure. But I'd be, I'd be so excited about that meat. Do you know about how much meat you got out of it? So I, I had them, I took it into the locker plant in town and 
They uh, it was four hundred and seventy two pounds of straight meat. I got back. That wasn't <laughs> blended with anything. That was just straight oh, moose meat. Man, that's awesome. All right, I'll be over for uh, moose burgers later. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. um, Paul, congratulations on the moose. I want to talk about the elk. Uh, if you're listening to us on the radio, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and talk elk uh, here with Paul Hoggle, who shot a moose and an elk in North Dakota this year. But uh, we can keep, you want a break? Or, Don't matter. Or should we just keep rolling? Just keep rolling. All right. So now we want to talk about your elk. How many years have you been applying for an elk license? Same Same deal? Same scenario. Yep. I have always wanted to try to shoot a North Dakota elk, but uh, the, well, and now that I live in Minnesota, I can't. Um, well, what is it? One of them, non-residents can only apply for a, a sheep tag, I, I think. And there's only a couple of sheep tags, which I, I didn't even think non-residents could apply for a sheep tag. But I was looking at some of the regs here on the ND Game and Fish website. And I haven't lived over in North Dakota now for about 10 years, so things may have changed. But there's a... Uh, there is a, a game warden raffle tag. Do you know anything about that, Paul? That you can get for? I can't remember if it's for elk or moose. I can't remember. Oh, I'm not sure. I think they raffle a, a bighorn. I don't know about elk and moose. I guess. Well, I'd have to look into it. But essentially, you got to be a resident for these lifetime uh, tags, which I'm totally cool with, uh, just because the opportunity is so limited and and just. Uh, quite the opportunity so uh, obviously you uh, you see elk occasionally here on the eastern side of north dakota but primarily you got to go out west for them i'm assuming you went out west for this hunt uh no i was actually in the northeast corner oh you were uh, interesting yep ah that's that's even better uh so is that is that up i'm up by pembina maybe is that yep yep the pembina gorge through that area now yep. are those some of those same elk that go into minnesota like that uh What's that herd yeah. that's up there in the northeast corner? The Kitson herd, maybe? Greg I guess I haven't heard that name. I'm not sure, but I, they got to be the same in the southern uh, Canada one, southern Manitoba. It's all, I would assume it's all the same herd. Yeah, because Minnesota's got, they got the Grigla animals, and then it's like, I, can't, I haven't looked into it for a while, and I can't remember, but there's like three of them, and they're all kind of small, except the biggest one comes in from Manitoba and comes down, and they kind of go back and forth across the border, which has got to be right up there by, uh, um, well, it's by, they're by, I think they're by Halleck, so it's got to be just across the border from Pembina there, but um, that, so... Had, did you know that there was elk up there, or what made you go up that direction? Is that where you drew a tag for, that zone? Yeah, that's where I drew the tag, and that's where I've been applying. Um, I've heard there's decent elk up there. Uh, you know, and access, there's a fair amount of state land up there. So, And I heard there's decent numbers now, so that's that's why I applied up there. All right, and how much scouting went into that hunt? Uh, not a lot before. So up there, um, take a step back, like Western North Dakota, you can use a rifle starting September 3rd. I think it opened this year up there. You have to use a bow for the month of September. Okay. And, um, so I was up, uh, twice before season and then just trying to get the lay of the land. And I didn't have much private land to go on, so I was going to be hunting a lot of state ground. And uh, so I just wanted to get a feel for it. Never really put eyes on an elk while I was up there. Hmm. Just It was more figuring out roads, how to access some of the stuff, and that sort of thing. And then started hunting in September with a bow up there. Did you shoot it with a bow? Nope, I shot it with a rifle. I ended up taking it with the rifle last week. 
Okay. Oh, and, he just shot it. All right. Yep. Look at that. And but I, well, I hunted. Uh, I hunted twenty six days for oh. this elk. Wow. Yeah, that's putting some so, time in. I put some time in, a couple hours from home, and yeah, yep. I, yeah, I, I paid my dues somewhat on this one. Uh, yeah, it, it was awesome shooting that elk, you know, last week with the rifle. But the funnest part of the hunt was probably with the bow during the rut. That is an experience I will never forget. Were they chasing cows around and bugling, fighting? Just bugling and getting them in close. You know, I probably, I hunted almost all state land. And uh, I, I bet I was within 60, 70 yards of 12 bulls, 15 bulls throughout many, you know, several trips, probably 16, 17 days up there at that point in the month of September. But, and they're just ripping off, bugling and all raking trees. And yeah, it was, it was intense. That's awesome. So, so tell me when you first laid eyes on this elk that you shot. So we were, uh, well, we were sitting just waiting for him to come out to feed basically. And I had a buddy with me and we were just waiting. We knew there was elk in that area waiting for him to come out. Cause now with the snow and crunchiness, it, at this time of year, they got to feed. The rut's over. You don't really know. You just start looking for tracks and hoping they come out to feed. So we knew there's tracks and there was elk around there. And and uh, I had sat out there earlier that morning and I'd passed on a. He was a six by six, but he's broke off. So I held out. So all day I'm <laughs> I'm 26 days into this hunt and I'm like, man, did I screw up? I probably should have shot that one because <laughs> it was a 300 class bull. And I, yeah, I didn't shoot. So anyways, my buddy came out and sat then the afternoon with me. And, uh, yeah, this uh, cow started filtering out and that bull I passed in the morning came out. And then I think we ended up with 40 elk in front of us there by about five o'clock. And then the, the one I got ended up coming out and, he, he must have been there. I think he was just sitting back in the trees watching the herd come out first. And then once they were all feeding and grazing, then he decided to come trotting across into the open. He was and he was letting them make sure it was safe for him. That's what it was. That's what I think, too. Yep, exactly. And he came running across and gave me a broadside shot and, and put him down. Oh, that's awesome. So how did you have to... Uh you know, a quarter them to get them out or how'd you pack them out or how'd that process go? No, this, uh, I was lucky enough to get on, uh, a cattle guy's land up there oh, and it was perfect. pretty flat land where we were. So I wasn't in deep coolies. This was more flat land stuff. And, uh, we were able to drive up to it and, uh, we drug them out and then, then we got it. Um, and then, uh, the rancher, he brought his, his front end loader and loaded them up for me. <laughs> okay. so. I hope you're buying Powerball tickets by the, you know, by the handful right now, because not only did you shoot a North Dakota elk and moose in the same year, but you were able to drive to each of them, <laughs> load them up, drive them out. I don't know, heard the old saying about a horseshoe, golden right. horseshoe. Yeah, yeah, my buddies are like, we're just going to follow you around till you lose it. So. Man, that's incredible. I, uh, I was hunting out in the Badlands one year. I was bow hunting out there and, uh, 
me and a buddy were just, we were we were up next to some public land, but we had like 400 acres of private land that we were going to hunt. And we were just jacked about it. We had gone out there and scouted and put up trail cameras. And then we came back out for the hunting season. And I think we were on our way out there. We were driving out there in 94. And my buddy calls me up that lives out there that got us on the, on the property. He goes, yeah, so uh, we just drew once in a lifetime elk tags for that property and there's four big bulls on it so <laughs> you guys can oh, come geez. stay out here but uh, you're gonna have to find somewhere else to hunt so we uh, <laughs> we were able to stay we were staying on the property and one morning we we were driving out to leave and uh as we got to the end of the driveway there were two bull elk standing standing right on the driveway which dan i don't know if you can find it but i got a picture of these two elk standing on the driveway in the sunrise and we were like 30 yards away from them it was oh, wow. uh, it was a pretty wild experience. That's the closest to uh, to to wild elk that I guess I've been. Um, haven't tried hunting them yet, but yeah, they're an amazing animal without a doubt. So That's... what what did that one score at then? Uh, we we got him roughed at uh, gross three eighty four. Ah oh, man, I think some people would be shocked to realize just not only do we have elk in. North Dakota slash Minnesota, but some big elk as well. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. There is an out west. Uh, well, wherever they have units, there is a chance at a trophy of a lifetime, a world class animal. How much meat did you get off of him? I uh, didn't get that weighed. Um, mm. So I'm not sure, but it, yeah, my freezers are full. <laughs> Freezers. Yeah. Freezers. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's awesome. so much meat off of both of those big animals and the, the fact that you got them both. So, I mean, do you just hang it up at this point and retire? I mean, what? how do you top this? I, as far as elk, I'm like, I, I think you could shoot a bigger moose, you know, if you go to the Yukon or something or whatever, but. Uh, as far as the elk, I don't. That's a tough one to beat. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'll go elk hunting anymore. I'll <laughs> focus on mule deer and whitetails again. So, you ever go? Uh, have you ever gone out west? You know, Montana, uh, Colorado, or anything for elk? Uh, Montana. I shot a bull back in hmm. 2009 uh, in the Missouri River breaks up there. Nice. Okay. And that's the only time I've ever elk hunted prior to this year. Guys, shoot some both and can drive. I still can't believe you, you drew tags same year in North Dakota, shot them both, and drove right up to both of them. That's just a great story. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's awesome. All right, well, what about any other animals uh, other than, than deer on the horizon for you? Any trips planned or anything? Uh, no, my next focus is a mule deer. Um, yeah, I've, I, I've never shot a North Dakota mule deer. Hmm. Yep, I've shot them in eastern Montana, but never uh, never North Dakota. I got lucky one time. Uh, in fact, it was 10 years ago this week. It came up on my Facebook memories. I shot a muley with my bow out in the Badlands, and I was uh, hunting with a buddy of mine. And we we didn't get to drive up to the deer, though, Paul. We had, we had to haul okay. it out, <laughs> and uh, we had to haul it across the Little Missouri River. And my buddy had a uh, an old golf cart, you know, like the... the um, the manual ones that you just pull by hand that you'd strap your golf bag into. He had converted oh, yep. that into a big game carrier. So I got a picture 
Yeah, well, there's the picture right there, Dan. Yeah, I got a picture of us standing on the Little Missouri River with my muley in a in a golf cart. Oh, neat. <laughs> and that, yeah, 10 years ago this week. There it is. Oh, All right. Nice. Well, uh, congratulations again on the success. Um, just an unbelievable story. Uh, Paul Hoggle, thanks for the time today on the show. All right. Thank you, Brad. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx.